Welcome to the Audit 15 Fun Podcast. My goal with this podcast is to bring relevant internal audit topics to the table at least every 15 days. Today, we're going to be talking about burnout. And to talk about that topic, I have Robert Barry as my guest. Robert Barry, also known as That Audit Guy, host of Audit Bites and Friday Fraudster. It is an honor to have you on, Robert. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. Hey, man. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. So, Talking about burnout, which I think it's such a relevant topic, you know, in any profession, but I think an internal audit, we'll, we'll, we'll really just try to relate this to the internal audit profession so that uh, people out there can relate to this and learn some tips from you on how to best handle it. So let's think about first about the causes of burnout. What, in, in your opinion, what are some of the causes of burnout specific to the internal audit profession? I tell you what. Before we go to the causes, let's just define burnout so that everybody's on the same page. Because so like the World Health Organization defines burnout as a syndrome conceptualized uh, as resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. So you have a lot of stress that you have not successfully managed. So whether it's physical, mental, something is not going well for you. And so now Here's some of the factors that contribute to burnout for auditors specifically. First, unreasonable deadlines. Now think about this. When you're an auditor, every audit is going to take 250 hours, right? <laughs> when you and, and I say that halfway in jest, but you get it because you laugh, right? When you do your audit planning, almost every audit is like 300 hours. So it's a round number, right? <laughs> right. And then there's very little flexibility to change that. And so auditors struggle trying to meet such unreasonable deadlines. So that's the first thing I think is unreasonable deadlines. Second thing, and I have five of these. Second thing I think is too much travel, especially pre-COVID. Now, that's probably not so much of an issue. It may be Zoom fatigue now. But think about auditors who travel 80% of the time. That's got to be stressful, especially if you have a family back home or any other obligation at home that you might have. So first one, I think, is unreasonable deadlines. Second one, too much travel. The third one, I believe, is lack of control. And what I mean by that is if you think about us as auditors, we have to ask tough questions. We have to actually challenge the authority within an organization sometimes. And then you sit here and you find something is wrong in an area, you report it, you come back, and they've done nothing about it. <laughs> so now you have the responsibility to report it, but you have no authority to actually help them fix it, which actually, not only does that lead to burnout, it it, it kind of leads to imposter syndrome because you're like, do I know what I'm talking about? Do I know what I'm doing? You know, so so when you have a lack of control over what it is that you're doing, that could actually lead you to burnout because you feel like your work is not really rewarding. That's stressful in and of itself, right? Absolutely. Yes. Very, very true. Yeah. What do you think about that one? Yeah. I mean, like that, that's, I, I remember when I joined the internal audit profession and uh, one of the VPs that I interviewed, he was talking about that I interviewed with, uh, he was talking about, uh, a good question to ask whenever you're going to like, you know, different places or trying to assess how well a company, an organization takes, uh, how seriously they take your the internal audit department is 
how many of the recommendations that you have are they actually implementing, right? Yep. That's so what you said is exactly right. Just if they're not yeah. implementing, are, are they taking us seriously? Do I know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and see, you know, you must be reading my mind because that leads me to my fourth point, though, that leads to burnout is lack of support. Now, the lack of support comes on multiple layers. Like the first layer is the organization, like you just said, may not support the audit function. So now you're just banging your head up against the wall because you probably aren't going to be able to get the job done the way that you need to get it done if there's no organizational support from the top. But then also, you may not have the adequate support within your specific audit function. And this, this is extremely important when it comes to those staff level auditors and maybe like junior level, but not senior. And even some of the senior auditors that report to managers, because here's what happens. They get those unrealistic deadlines, right? They're traveling a whole lot. They don't have lack of control, but they know they have to complete this audit by X date. And then the audit client, has some sort of emergency where they can't give them the documentation or they can't meet with them. And so now they have pressure coming from the top, from the senior auditor who has pressure coming from the audit manager. But then they have this pressure coming from the client because the client is saying, can you please just give me a few more days or a few more weeks? And so now they're sitting here in the middle, not being supported appropriately. And that causes extra stress. I always say that every audit department should have some sort of escalation procedure. If you're not getting what you need from a client, there should be a way for that poor staff auditor or that, full, or, the, or that poor senior auditor to get support from within their own department. But what ends up happening is you go to your staff meeting, that manager, hey, where's that information? You were supposed to have this last week. Well, I'm sorry, but the, the, the client won't give me what I need. Well, you need to go and talk to the client some more. No. How about you get off your butt and you support your auditor and you help them? Maybe you do need to move the deadline. Maybe this is a bad quarter for the client and something has come up. You know, so lack of support can lead to burnout. And then the, the last one, I think what the experts will tell you is a poor work-life balance. Now, Personally, I don't believe that there is a such thing as work-life balance. I think it's a work-life seesaw. I think sometimes you're going to dedicate more time to work than personal, and sometimes you might dedicate more time to personal than work, but it all evens out in the end. Yep. I couldn't agree more. The peaks and valleys, right? Sometimes right. you're going to be busy. Sometimes you're not going to be busy. And maybe you can focus on like just self-development type of stuff, right? Right. But that also goes to challenge the status quo of you have to work a 40 hour week. Why? You're not paying me for hours. You're paying me for my work product. So if one week I can get the job done in 30 hours, why not be OK with that? Because you never complain in the week when I get it done in 60. Very true. Being so now. Re I, re yeah. Result. oriented, yeah. Right. Yeah. Think about this, though. If I have to sit there in the office and pretend to work because everything is slow, that causes extra stress, which could actually lead to burnout as well. Very, very true. And I like what you mentioned. There are many things there that you, you mentioned that I like, but one thing that I can relate to uh, from, a, from something that's recent, having an escalation procedure, right? So. Yep. Moving on to the, the second question, which is what can internal audit leaders do to reduce the burnout? You know, so that's an idea, maybe have an escalation procedure, 
procedure that if you're not getting any information, this is what you do. What other uh, ideas do you have for internal audit leaders on what they can do to reduce burnout with their staff, you know, related to these five uh, items that you just mentioned? All right, so don't laugh. I mean, you know I'm a trainer and that's what I do. So here I also have five points. I mean, <laughs> no. so no, I, I think the first thing you can do is encourage regular breaks and or vacations. Those are two different things. Let me explain. So now many, many, many years ago, um, I worked for this one company where we worked four tens. We worked four 10 hour days and we traveled a whole heck of a lot. So we would work. And I say four tens, but we would fly in on Sunday. So technically we were working on that Sunday, but we would work Monday through Friday and we would travel around to different locations, sometimes very good locations to work. And typically we would try to fly out on Thursdays, but sometimes that wasn't feasible because we needed a full day in the office on site. And so we would fly out on Fridays. So here's what I would do. You know, it's very expensive to fly out on Fridays, right? And sometimes Saturdays was actually cheaper than Friday. So I would challenge my people. If we get this project done in three days instead of four, we can go out and enjoy the city that we're in. So imagine sipping my ties on the beach in Miami, right? So what would happen is if we went to some of those good cities, sometimes we would work 12, 14 hour days just to bust our butt so that we could go to South Beach and have a good time. It was worth it because everybody did it. But the other thing we would do too is sometimes if the cost of the flight was more expensive to fly out on Friday, we'd fly out on Saturdays, meaning we would have an extra day in that city and still save the company money. So, you know, again, Miami was just one of the locations. San Antonio, Texas was another one, and Charlotte, North Carolina was another one. All great cities. So imagine spending some downtime in a great city instead of just being at home twiddling your thumbs. Now, granted, I was living in Florida at that point in time, so Florida's a great place to be overall too, right? But, but you got to schedule breaks for people, and sometimes, sometimes those breaks even mean taking the time out of not doing hardcore audit work and just walking around and visiting your clients and talking to them. Right, right. Absolutely, so, yeah. Just because it's downtime doesn't mean you're actually not working, right? Right. So what do you think about that one? Encourage uh, breaks or vacations, man. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I've met a few people who, you know, how you have like so many days of vacation in a year that, you know, most organizations give you. And then some people have unused vacation days that they lose because, you know, of the, their anniversary. I don't want anyone out there to be doing that. If you have the days of vacation to use, please use it. Right, it's important right. to take the time off. Yeah. So, so I think the second thing is you want to promote a healthy quote unquote work life seesaw. Um, and I, and here's what I'll say this one, I learned because someone did it to me. I reported to this fantastic person at one point in time and she would make me take breaks, take lunches, go home. I mean, just, and it, it, Back then, I was stubborn, like, I don't need to. I'm okay. But no, it did a world of difference. It made a world of difference. So if your entire department promotes a healthy work-life balance, seesaw, then that will trickle down to everyone else in the department to the point where you, when you see someone stressing and about to approach burnout, you might actually say something to them. 
if it's promoted within the department. So that, you know, that's my second thing. My third thing I think is what you, well, I not think I know, you need to provide adequate resources. Um, think about how many audit shops don't have the appropriate resources. And by resources, I don't necessarily mean, you know, well, let's just say that could run the gamut. That could be human resources. You need more people to do the job. Mm-hmm. That could be you need money to purchase a system that you might need that would help save time and improve efficiency. Or you might need some training because there's some additional things that you need to comply with. So when I say resources, it's one of those three things or a combination of those three. Um and here, here's the big one, too, because I think when you don't have adequate resources, people will stress themselves out to try and meet some unrealistic deadline that you've set, which goes back to the other. Because I'm a firm believer that there are very few people in this world that go to work to do a bad job. Right. Most people want to do a good job and they will stress themselves out to meet your unrealistic expectations. And if you've set up unrealistic expectations in your audit department, that's on you. Very, very good point, Robert. And I, very good point on the resources is not just having the right number of people. It's not just having the best system that you can for what you, you know, for the type of audits that you, you have, but it's also having the right support for training, right? That's Oh yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. That, that was my next point. Support continuing education and professional development. You know, it, it, I cringe when I see people looking for 40 hours just for the sake of having 40 hours. Yeah. It's kind of tragic. <laughs> it yeah. is. You you got to have quality 40 hours. And, and I mean, you know, I'm an audit trainer and most of my training is centered around soft skills. I have courses on active listening, conflict management, how to manage up, how to set boundaries, you know, and, and I think those things are extremely important. And if you don't invest in training for people, whether it's audit related, industry related, or interpersonal skills related, how do you expect them to perform well on the job if you've not set the expectation? Yes, absolutely. Could not agree more with you. So that's that's related to the what the internal audit leaders can do. So if we flip it, let's flip the question here. For those like, you know, uh, the staff level, senior auditor level, what can they do to reduce burnout? Wait, before we go there, I've got one more for the audit leaders. Just one more point. Okay, go ahead. Encourage team building. Stop working in silos in your audit department because when you work as a team, somebody might see that one one of their teammates, one of their teammates is about to burn out and they may either bring it to their attention, bring it to your attention, or they may just lend a hand. But if everybody's thinking, this is my audit project and this is all I'm working on, then yeah, people are going to burn out. They're going to burn out big time. Right, right. So That's you, an important one to mention. So I, I didn't mean to just take it yeah. back there, but. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, I think it's 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 important that people often uh, uh, just, you know, don't realize how, how important it is to have team building activities and to actually have that team mentality, right? Look, man, I'll tell you, I've, I've, I've been over audit shops where I've forced people to work together. If you don't like each other simply because of a personality conflict, then tough. You can work with people you don't like as long as you respect them and the quality of their work. 
So when you tell me you don't like somebody, tell me why. If, if it's because of a personality thing, screw it. You got to work with them. It is what it is. But if it's because of their work product is suffering, then okay, now we can talk. I get that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Separate, you know, what's, what's fact, uh, feelings versus facts, right? Yeah, man. I worked with one guy I really disliked, but we worked very well together because he still did good work. I respect, I, I did not like him because I didn't think he was morally sound. He did some stuff in his personal life. And I was like, oh, that's crazy. <laughs> but from a work standpoint, we worked so well together because we were silent. We weren't having that personal chatter. We just got straight to work because I, I thought he was a pathological liar. I didn't like anything that he said. So I didn't talk to him unless it was work related and we worked very well together. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you get <laughs> the, the end done, right. As, as long as you reach the quality product, right. That's, that's important. Uh, for yeah. Me. Yeah. So, so, so sorry. Now back to your question of what okay. can the individual auditor do in order to try and avoid burnout. I, so again, I have a, a few points for those. I think the first one is take breaks. Similar to the other one. You see how it's it's a top-down, bottom-up right thing, right? As a, as a department head, you need to be pushing these things down. But then as someone working in a department, you need to be pushing them up as well. Because right. Right, we're like what? We're like, I don't know if you remember uh, the, the cartoon Voltron when you were a kid, right? Yes. Um, Voltron, right? Everybody came together to make the arm, the leg, the, the head, the body. Right. That's how your audit department is. You got to form like Voltron. That's what they said in the cartoon, right? People are going to start Googling that now. They're going to go to YouTube, Voltron. <laughs> but think about it. If one part doesn't work, and if you're not all singing the same tune. So first thing, take breaks. Second thing is set some boundaries and then manage up so that you set realistic expectations. Don't wait and sit there and try and kill yourself. If you see that an expectation you know, an audit deadline or an audit timeline, you see it slipping, say something, but you got to be constructive. Don't just, I can't do this. No, you got to be constructive with your complaint. Hey, it looks like this audit project is slipping or going to slip. Here are the reasons why. Here's some things that I've already explored. Can you help me so that we can meet the deadline or change the deadline? But what a lot of people do is they just, dump their stuff on their supervisor. I'm not going to make the deadline. Okay, well, help me help you. But I think the second thing you have to do in all seriousness, try and set some boundaries and set some realistic goals by managing up as soon as you see something about the slip. Um, excuse me. I think the third thing is don't forget to eat and exercise. Like, seriously. Yeah, just common sense. <laughs> How many times have we worked through lunch? Don't forget to eat and exercise, um, you know, because the work will always be there. I think the next thing is um, you've got to connect with others, both in your department, in your company, and in your industry as a whole. Because when you have a connection to others, you can start bouncing ideas off of them to see, like, who's crazy, right? <laughs> Are you crazy? Is the client crazy? Is the audit management crazy? Now, I know I use, sometimes I use some shocking words when I say that, but think about it. Sometimes you're sitting there thinking to yourself, they must be crazy. I can't complete this audit project. So I'm only saying what you're probably thinking. But, in all, but, but to take it to a serious level, you want to see if you are out of touch with reality, right? Because you might need that, that, that litmus test, right? Am I okay? Am I thinking wrong? And you need a good group of people who are willing to tell you when you're right and when you're wrong. 
once you figure once you figure out that you're wrong, you can make the corrections without bother bothering anyone else. But if you figure that you're right in what you're thinking, then you can start formulating your plan on how to not burn out, how to set some boundaries on your projects, how to escalate certain things without offending other people. So that's why I think the important point is connecting with others in your department, in your company, and in your industry. Very, very good, Robert. And I, when you mentioned about like staff or senior auditor going to the manager, here's the, here's the problem. I actually, I heard this from, from an executive and I, I think it's a good point. It kind of relates to your point. People need to, when they have a problem, they need to try to think of a solution and then go to, go to their manager, their director, whoever, and say, here's the problem. Here's what I think the solution is, and this is why I think the solution should be this. What do you think versus just trying to dump the problem? Right. So yeah. very good point. And I also like your, your connection. Like, I think that's so important in our profession because, you know, I, I'm just John, you're just Robert, and there's so many other people with like so many diverse views on things that. We just don't know about until we talk to other people. So that's an excellent point. I think that's a. Here's the other thing with that too. You start to broaden your knowledge base. So now I'm working for myself, right? And I still have some clients that I do, you know, limited audit work for or socks work for in a variety of different industries. But because I have friends in so many different industries, I can tap into them. So for example, I was talking to somebody recently who's in the cannabis industry and they're talking about auditing dispensaries. Well, two of my good friends happen to own dispensaries and happen to be in the cannabis industry. So I called them up and I was like, hey, you know, what do you think about this? This is what they're doing. And so then I just connected those two people together. And so at some point it might come back to me or it might not. But either way, I have a good understanding of how that industry works and think about it. That's an emerging industry. Right. Yeah, so we're all probably going to touch that in, in some way, shape or form. The other thing is artificial intelligence. I have some friends that are in that industry. And what did I do recently? I put out some videos on LinkedIn using artificial intelligence. You don't even know that it's not really me saying the things that I'm saying. Right. This is helping me in my training business now to streamline training where I can produce training content just like that. But you have to learn to reach out to people in other industries because there is some crossing that does occur. Yeah, I think people are going to go to LinkedIn and try to figure out what videos do you have. To... They're going to try. I'll tell people which one it is because I think I said it. Even the intro to my show, The Friday Fraudsters now, there's a guy introducing the show now. That's artificial intelligence. That's not me talking. That's not a paid actor. That's artificial intelligence. Nice, nice. Um, okay, so last question here related to burnout. And this is a quote that I got from an article. Just want to get your thoughts on it. Burnout is not caused by overwork. It is caused by not finding the meaning in your work. What's your take on this? All right. So here's what I will say. This debate has been going on for quite some time. And, and let's talk about where it actually started. Uh, there's a guy named Richard Swenson. And uh, he has a book called The Road to Resilience. And that is where he actually said something loosely like this. He basically said that burnout isn't caused by overwork. It's caused by not finding the meaning in your work. And so now Swenson is actually a medical doctor and researcher who's been studying burnout for over two decades. 
So for 20 years, now in his view, burnout occurs when we lose sight of uh, the meaning and purpose in our work. And, and when our work no longer feels relevant and fulfilling, he says that we become disconnected and disengaged. And then he says that we also feel hopeless, helpless, and worthless. Now, I'll say that I agree with him to a certain extent, because think about it. Think about the project that you've worked on and you spent countless hours working on it and you forgot what time it was during the day because you really, really believed in that project. So I think there is some truth to when you burn out. It's mostly because you don't find the meaning in your work. Now, think about Microsoft. There are rumors that Bill Gates used to sleep under his desk, go days without showering because he was building that company. You don't hear him talking about burning out because he was passionate. Steve Jobs, when you look at Apple and all the work that he did there. Elon Musk, this man is everywhere. There's Tesla, there's SpaceX. What the heck else is he doing? How do you have time? There's Twitter, right? That he bought and then didn't buy and then maybe is going to buy again. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? How do you have time to do these things without burning out? You are passionate about what it is that you're doing. Now, at the same time, there are only a finite number of hours in each day. And I think you learn better how to manage your time when you're passionate about something. You learn how to better say no to things that don't serve you and say yes to the things that do. So I, I do believe that there is some truth to that. Working for myself now, people have said to me, you, you see people type, typing on LinkedIn, do you ever sleep? Yeah, I sleep. I sleep very well, but I prioritize things and I tell people no quite effectively now. No, it's a full sentence. So I think there is some truth in that. Um, I think e even, even auditing, man, think about when you work for a company or an audit department that is doing some really good innovative things, you feel invigorated. Look at you. You're sitting at work right now recording a podcast because your boss has told you it is okay to do this podcast. You still have work to do, but you're still dedicating time to this podcast. Why? Because you find meaning in this darn thing, man. Yeah, I think there's some truth to that. All right. I, and I, I think a excellent point on knowing what to say yes and what to say no to, even though we may not have control sometimes on what we can say yes or no to, but you know, when we do, you gotta be, uh, wise in decisions that you make on what you're going to take on or not. So really appreciate your time on the podcast, Robert. It's been an honor to talk to you. And for those who want to connect with you, learn about what you do, the training that you provide, what's the best way for them to reach out to you. So here's what I'd like for you to do. Go to LinkedIn, connect with me on LinkedIn. I provide a lot of free content surrounding a lot of subjects on LinkedIn. That gives you an opportunity to get to know me. Once you get to know me, if you want to purchase some of my training or if you want to hire me as a trainer, go to thatauditguy.com or just send me a message on LinkedIn. There are a few other things I would love for you to check out. I have a really good book on how to ask questions while auditing. It's called Ask, Get, Perform. It is the auditor's Bible for learning how to ask good questions and you want to see it, go to askgetperform.com. See, I keep it real simple, right? I have another book called Creating Wonderful Work Papers. Yes, I wrote an entire book about creating work papers. It is, I believe, at wonderfulworkpapers.com. 
Now, I'm also creating, oh, ah, there's a show that I do every Friday on fraud. It's called The Friday Froster. I have two good co-hosts that carry me the entire show because I'm useless. If you've ever heard of Joe Irvin, who's your ethics expert, and Kelly Paxton, who is everything pink collar crime, those are my two co-hosts. And every Friday we take, it's like law and order ripped from the headlines. We take, <laughs> we take a story and we talk about it live on LinkedIn. I'm probably going to put it on YouTube soon. But anyway, uh, you can go to FridayFroster.com if you want more info on that. Or just go to my LinkedIn profile. Every Friday, you'll see me live at 2 p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time. I have another podcast that season two is starting soon. It's called Audit Bites, auditbites.com. It is live on LinkedIn. I like doing things live. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> the other thing, I'm starting a community where auditors can share information. The platform is great. We can go live from within the platform, and I'm going to start doing that at least every other week. If you go to community.thatauditguy.com, you'll be one of the first people to sign up because I've been testing the platform to make sure that it works. It works. Now we're going to bring people in. That was a lot. I feel like that was a lot. <laughs> um, what I'll do, I'll just include all of that in the notes of the episode. And I've actually bought your book as Get Perform. What'd you think I, about it? I highly recommend it. I have not got the second one. So I'll, I'll buy the second one and then I can, I can get so, you, uh, I, I, you know, can include it in the in our uh, library here of internal audit books. So we, so we got here's one what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you on the spot though. So here's what I want anyone to do. If you've ever taken a course from me, seen me on LinkedIn or anything, leave me a review and you can do that at review.thatauditguy.com. I would prefer if you leave a video review, but you can actually type one in and upload a photo because I want to know who you are. Um, and I'm going to challenge you, John, to do that. Review.thatauditguy.com. Okay. Since you bought the book and you read it and you just said you <laughs> highly recommend it, leave that audit guy, leave, leave me. That's my alter ego, right? Leave, leave me a review at review.thatauditguy.com and it'll prompt you either on your phone, on your computer, or you can uh, write a testimonial. But I like for people to do videos. Okay. It's a deal. I'll do it. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Robert. <laughs>